Welcome to The Bee Podcast. The mission of The Bee is to create an inspiring platform for all women of every age group to have meaningful conversations with the intent to genuinely understand each other's journey, to listen to stories similar and different than our own, engage in each other's triumphs and failures, hear and validate one another on the separate unique journeys we have traveled, the loss we have endured, the joy we have encountered, and the reason behind the lessons we have learned. Bees symbolize community, personal growth, and power. And that is what we aim to do here. Create community, foster growth, and empower women. I'm Cami Milliken, and this is The Bee Podcast. Hello, Bee Podcast community. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. If you haven't already done so, go back and take a listen to the very first pilot episode. It really lays out the foundation for the bee and what this movement is all about, and I get a little real and personal with you as well. On today's episode, you get to be a fly on the wall for a conversation I had with one of my dearest and sweetest friends, Becca Stockton. As a matter of fact, when putting this project together, I knew Becca's stories were going to be so impactful. So needless to say, I was absolutely thrilled when she agreed to talk about one of her experiences. In this episode, she shares her journey in co-parenting, what that looked like for her in the beginning, in the middle, and where she is now. Her story is far from over, but her wisdom over this topic just needed to be shared, and I'm so glad that she agreed to do so. So without further ado, here's Becca's story on co-parenting. Hi everyone, I get to be here today with my friend Becca Stockton. So um, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Bee Podcast. Becca has been someone that I have known for as long as I can remember ever since we moved to Ottawa back in the day. And Becca has been such a great friend to me in many aspects, but one of those, some of the things that she's taught me about grace and forgiveness are just, I mean, she, she has done an incredible job of teaching me and other people that I know about grace and forgiveness and multiple other lessons about life. Um, but I really wanted for her to be able to come on and share with you her experience, just one of her many multiple enriching experiences that she's had as an adult about co-parenting. So Becca, hi. Uh, Hello. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Hey, so tell us a little bit about yourself growing up. Give us a little background about who you were as a young person going into the dating field. Oh, who I were, who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, who I was and who I now am. So growing up, um, raised in a Christian home, raised in a single unit family. Um, parents were together. Uh, my dad worked outside the home. My mom was home with us and she homeschooled me mm-hmm. to the right yes. age of 14, 13, yes. until high school. So high school... High school age came, and I went to a Baptist school, um, Suburban Heights Baptist for life. Uh, yeah, so big white world for me outside of homeschooling, but yeah, that was, um, I mean, I graduated in class five back in 1997. 97, class yeah. of 97. <laughs> so long ago. So tell us a little bit about your experience in dating. Did you date in high in high school, or did you... Yeah, barely, sort of, a little bit. Okay. Um, on and off with the same guy. He was uh, a few years older than me, so my parents were thrilled, naturally. 
I mean, my parents, and I wouldn't admit it at the time, but my parents did not think it was great a great choice. And I probably, looking back, probably not. He wasn't such a great choice? He was not. Talk about that. <laughs> what made him such a different choice for you? Hmm. Um, honestly, I think that he was probably the first guy that ever showed interest. Okay. Outside of my home school. <laughs> <laughs> in the world um, than I was. So I think that there was a level of attraction there as well. And you had talked a little bit about in a previous conversation that we'd had about this particular person. So talk about what your attraction was to him. Why were you attracted <laughs> to him? This because he was bad. Guy. He was so bad. He was a bad boy. He right? was a bad boy. Yeah. And yeah, so I saw a meme not too long ago that talked about Beverly Hills 90210 being the reason that we are attracted to the bad boys because we chose... Obviously, we chose Dylan McKay over Brandon Walsh, the goody two-shoes, Brandon Walsh, pass. <laughs> Let me add that Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. With the, what, is it a Porsche? He has, With yeah, the Porsche. 911 With the Porsche. Carrera ass, yes, <laughs> to be specific. <laughs> I know my cars. Yeah, so that's awesome. Okay, so you've had this kind of attraction to men who kind of have a past. Right or yeah, or, a little bit. I mean, the character of Dylan, not to like capitalize on Beverly Hills and what they. I wasn't allowed to watch the show, by the way. Totally. So, mom it. and dad, if you're listening, Marla and Terry, just real sorry about that. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it's laughable, you know, to see that meme. But then I start to think about it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, is it Beverly Hills' fault that I did like the bad boy? Um, I think but yeah, I think point. even a little bit like. You know, I talked about growing up a little bit sheltered, being homeschooled or whatever. So, of course, like, as soon as your eyes are a little bit, like, wide opened, like the Garden of Eden, per se, <laughs> you're like... The fruit. The forbidden fruit, if you will. What is, I mean, is it human nature? What is it? I think so. <laughs> but I yeah, think so. So, that, you know, this particular guy that I dated on and off through high school and a little bit outside of high school was, um, you know, he just was the... The underage drinker, the um, dabbled some in um, illicit drugs, mm-hmm. shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I didn't know at the time, but yeah, it came to light after the fact. But anyway, I was always Wouldn't just like, it, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, you're interesting. Sure. Also came from a broken home, much like Dylan McKay. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, so his parents were divorced and there was like a level of um, hurt to him, you know, that he shared with me, which I think was also, like, I don't know, there was an attraction to a um, project, per se. Yeah, and I think that from coming from a family that had had stayed intact, maybe some attraction to the idea of something very different from your experience. Yeah, and or even thinking, like, oh, well, I didn't, I wasn't raised in a home where there were, like, where my parents were divorced, so maybe I can offer you some sort of stability in that respect or sure yeah right right so so you had this attraction to this particular type of male and so let's fast forward a little bit to your meeting um what would have been your future husband at that time yeah so um that was 
like I said, this guy from high school, we dated kind of on and off. But during the same time, I was in youth group and was friends with um, Ted, who was who I would marry a few mm-hmm. years later. Um, but yeah, I mean, same kind of like, I guess, broken story as far as like his parents divorced when he was not even a toddler. Um, and just kind of had, he just had a lot of um hurt i mean i think that's where we connected a lot was just that i would listen you know when he talked and i don't know i think he felt safe maybe to talk to me and i i loved that you Mm -hmm. know yeah so so you eventually um your relationship kind of deepened through that time building in youth group and then yeah later on you yeah, beyond. So he was younger than me, still is, actually. Um, <laughs> Fun fact. We were married when he was 19, and I was 22. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we were very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, no idea what we were doing. Um, but waited. Um, we waited for a while to have children. Mm-hmm. So I have, together we have one, um, Tommy, who's now, he just turned 10 in April. Um, and is wonderful, by the way. And this, he's a good boy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, that was, we were married for, what would that be, seven, eight years okay. before I got pregnant with Tommy. So, and that okay. was intentional. But yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, because I, I remember in a previous conversation we had, you had said that we knew that we were, we, we knew that we were young and probably not in the best position to have kids, like, mentally yeah. And so um, I mean, we were still learning each other, you know, yeah. like at least we had the maybe some wisdom somewhere in there to think enough to wait. Yeah. To have Let's kids. figure some stuff out before yeah. we throw a child into the mix. So. And I think that in itself is a big thing because I feel like especially mm-hmm. when people get married young, like myself included, you get married young and you think, oh, my gosh, yes, I can do all the things. But then eventually realize they all smack you in the face at the same time all at the same time very unpleasant very loud Mm -hmm. um and so i think that speaks volumes about you also because of the experiences that you shared with me i'm like yeah no that makes sense that becca would have waited because she's you guys she really is really great and wise so um she has lots of things to offer so candy's also very gracious so well. <laughs> keep that in mind. <laughs> so, so Becca, then okay. So you were dating um, Ted, and you eventually married, and you eventually had children. And so, talk about talk about what happened after that. Yeah. So of course, this is my perception. You know, that's all I have. Ted may have a completely different perception. So sure. I'll just throw that disclaimer out there, right? I guess. But um, yeah. So you know, after we had Tommy and Ted and I were. Ted and I were in church together. Mm-hmm. Like, we both shared what I thought was the same faith, you know, at the time growing up. We both played on the worship team together, like, involved in church. It wasn't just like we showed up, you know? Yeah. Um, and just, I don't know, I felt like our lives were faith-based, I guess. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, fast forward to when I had Tommy, and I think that, um, you know, I always believed in God and believed in miracles and believed in, um, yeah, just like fundamental Christian values. Um, and after I had Tommy, I feel like that was, 
you know, as I'm holding this newborn in my arms, I just felt like I had never experienced a miracle quite like what I was holding, you know, Mm -hmm. that second. And I felt like God was so much more real to me than he ever had been just in looking at my son. Yeah. Um, and Ted kind of had a different take on it. His, when he looked at Tommy, his mindset kind of went this direction of like, I don't understand like people who have lost children. Like, how can there be a, a God that everybody says is so good and so great and he's all powerful, but yet he like lets babies die? Yeah. So when he looked at Tommy, those were his thoughts, okay. which then kind of turned to like, if there is God, I just am not real sure I like him. Because he allows these things to happen. Because he allows these yeah. things. Yeah. So, which is understandable. I mean, sure. that's valid. I think that's a question or a thought process that anyone wrestles with. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, I mean, and that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell, but that was kind of like the start of what I would call kind of a spiral to our marriage um, ultimately ending. But it was kind of that narrative that was like, I'm like, oh my gosh, God is, this is amazing. Like, look what he gave us. Mm -hmm. And he's like, "Mm -mm, there's a chance that I think God sucks. And so that whole like dynamic or shift in our relationship was like, I didn't know what to do with his lack of faith. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know what to do with my still existent faith. Yeah. So that can be, yeah, it can be really difficult, especially, yeah, when such a fundamental thing like that is questioned or, I mean, which, I mean, though all of those questions I think are very valid. Yeah. That can definitely cause those rifts. For sure. And I think, you know, it's hard. Like I said, I was raised so conservative. So I know that there were like, points where I certainly didn't have grace for his point of view. Sure. You know, like, I was like, I mean, maybe you should go read your Bible. <laughs> Not the proper question. read your Bible. <laughs> I don't right. want to talk about it because I don't true. want to argue, figure it out. Right. You know, which is, a, yeah. it's a terrible response, but I have to own that that was not always my stance, but you know, at the same time, I'm, like, dealing with a newborn and trying to, like, figure out... Navigate that entire thing that's even... Yeah. Different. Yeah, different so, and bigger. And... there's just a lot of stuff kind of all at once. Smacking you in the face. Smacking you in the face. <laughs> all always. at once. Yeah. So, you... So, then, okay, so, eventually, um, what had happened then after, uh, after this issue... Talk yeah, about we what just, happened. I mean, we just kind of drifted a little bit, you know, like I kind of did my own thing and um, he didn't really want to participate like in anything that was normal, was, had been normal for, for us you. as far mm-hmm. as like church or the worship team or, you know, any of that stuff and kind of would shy away even from like, um, you know, friends that had like a foundation of faith also mm-hmm. just didn't really want to be associated or be a part of that. Sure. So in that distancing, I think, I mean, he had started taking classes um, at Indian Hills and he met some new people that of course I didn't know any Mm -hmm. of them, um, but kind of had all these new friendships and relationships kind of forming. And um, yeah, eventually I ended up finding some email correspondence that was with a woman that he was in class with that was, um, 
yeah, it just kind of pointed to their relationship not being what I would call platonic. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Okay. So then soon after that... Yeah, so when I came across that, I mean, I just, I kind of addressed it with him and just at that point just had said, like, I want you to figure this out. Like, I want you to choose us. Um, But while you figure it out, I just, I need space and I would like for you to figure that out somewhere else. So we separated at that time. Tommy was... um, a whole eight months old so still very you know new as far as parenting and trying to navigate through all that stuff um, but yeah he was so at that point he respectfully moved out and you know decided that he was going to try to figure himself out and after six months of waiting and six months of limbo and six months of back and forth I just decided to call it and I've for divorce. Okay. So that in and of itself is super heavy, and I'm certain not where you expected your life to go, um, especially as someone young with a young child. So then you had this experience, and you're recently divorced, newly divorced, I guess. And so tell me about what 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 was your self-talk through all of that and how did that play a role in what your life is currently like? Yeah, I struggled. Um, I struggled quite a bit. I, I wouldn't say I was ever necessarily depressed, but, um, you know, I had friends that really stepped in and allowed me to like lean on them, Mm -hmm. um, in that season. Um, you know, prior to that and, um, like prior to even having Tommy, I was, I was in a small group with Ted's aunt actually, um, who's deceased now, but in that small group, um, I was in that small group with her for years and was very close with her. And there's one thing that she had told me over those years that just has resonated with me and, and is something that I try to live my life by but she talked about how everything starts with your thoughts she wanted us to read the Joyce Meyer Battlefield of the Mind Mm -hmm. book um, where it just talks about your thought life being so powerful and would talk about how your thoughts become your words and your words become your actions and your actions over time become your habits and then your habits become your character and they become the legacy that you leave Um, And so even in the divorce, I was like, okay, we're going to put some declarations up and Mm -hmm. maybe we don't believe them this second, but we're going to read them and we're going to speak them over ourselves. And, um, you know, one of them, I remember like, um, you know, I said, I mentioned that Ted was going to school at the time and um, the idea was that he would graduate from school. We were going to move. and he was going to work full time and I was going to stay home with Tommy. So one of the declarations that I had put um, up on my bathroom cabinet, and mm-hmm. it's still there yeah. to this day, yeah. almost 10 years later, yeah. um, is that I was grateful um, that God gave me opportunities to work and support myself and to support Tommy because when all that went down and when my dreams of being able to stay home with my kid, yeah. Um, what came to a crashing halt, I was 
angry. Yeah, rightfully you know? so. So I was like, well, I can't stay angry forever and I am gonna have to go to work. So let's spin it and let's just be grateful that we have those opportunities. Or even have someone to to feel responsible for, like Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so declarations like that, I think were like, I was like, well, I don't feel it right this second, but I do believe it. So even when I don't feel it, I'm going to, like, trust in what I believe. See, and this is why, this, you guys, this is why Becca is here, because those are things that in the moment, I don't think I would have been able to tell myself. I I have a, I have such a hard time seeing past my own hurt and my own grief that to to put anyone above myself because I feel like I have a tendency to be so selfish. But for for you to make that declaration and write that on a post-it note on your bathroom when or bathroom mirror, like hey. You know what? This is an opportunity, and I know that right now that this all of this sucks, and I know that this isn't where I expected things to be. Things have taken a turn. I know, I know for a fact that eventually I'm gonna need to know this. Yeah, like I don't know. I just wanted to ingrain it in my mind, and I think at that time, and maybe I hadn't experienced it fully yet, but those words of Aunt Penny like rang in my ears, and like think on these things back mm-hmm. like think about this eventually start saying it like let it let it permeate and become your character oh my gosh yeah so I love that so <laughs> your thoughts become your words your words become your actions your actions become your habit and then your habit becomes your character yeah so that is I mean you guys just even write that even if you even if you don't prescribe to Jesus or you don't believe in God, those are things that are true, and That's I think true. that those things that, those are things that eventually, I mean, it's tr- it's true. You can those shape things, your whole life. Change right. your mind, change your life. I yeah. mean, it's I mean, true. preach that even if they don't believe in Jesus. So, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah, okay, this so, is not a God plug necessarily, but this is just, that's but what it could be me through. Right. You know? Yeah. So, Becca, then tell us a little bit about, you had gotten to this point, and, um, you're kind of grieving this whole life that maybe you expected to happen, but now you are realizing that it's not going to happen the way that you expected it to. Um, talk about after the separation and possibly the divorce on what, what that looked like for you as a parent. Yeah, so, I mean, as far as co-parenting, you know, at the beginning and through the divorce, like, so much raw emotion, so much, like... I can't, I can't even fathom co-parenting with you, (laughs) you know, like the saying time heals all wounds. Like it's not just catchy because it's like a fun saying. There is some truth to that. Like as time passes, it's not as raw anymore. You can think a little bit more clearly. So, you know, at the beginning, if somebody wanted to talk to me about co-parenting or, or with Ted's now wife, you know, being in Tommy's life pretty much from the get oh, like, um, yeah, it was a struggle at the beginning to think I have to share my son with her. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, if there was a if there was a time that Ted couldn't pick Tommy up and it was their time and Stephanie was gonna come pick him up, I was like, mm, no, no, I don't think so. 
yeah. you know, to begin with. No, I co-parent with Ted, not with Stephanie. And at the time they weren't married and maybe that was like a, a false thing for me to be like, why not married? So what is this even, you know? Maybe, but also I feel like that has to be a normal thought for anyone who is experiencing that, you know? Yeah, perhaps. So I think that, I mean, I've as I've interviewed like lots of different women, I've noticed that it's it's really like as women, I think because we know we know that we're capable of doing better always. We know that. I think we have a hard time granting ourselves grace and feeling those like really unpleasant emotions and allowing ourselves to work through that. So yeah. I think it is important for anyone who's listening to know that you know what? If you're going through this whole thing and you are noticing yourself feeling resentment or maybe anger towards someone who doesn't necessarily deserve it even, that's okay. To feel that, to like allow yourself to go through that emotion and know that even though like, I mean, your situation may be really terrible. So like, and you're trying to like process through that. So let yourself process through and by whatever means that is. So if that is being angry that possibly your ex-husband's love interest is being responsible for your child, like, it's okay. That's okay. I mean, it was, that's a good point. You know, it was, it was a struggle and and maybe that is normal. Like you say, I think I struggle a little bit with feelings of guilt of that now because of where our relationship has moved to. Right. You know, Which but is I think incredible. it was yeah. like just part of the journey and to get like there. Healing, yeah. healing to get there. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's important that we allow ourselves that process because no one is experiencing that journey but you in that moment. So yeah. to allow yourself that grace is really important, I think. Yeah, for sure. So you talked about how uh, Tommy, uh, or you talked about how Ted and Stephanie became a or Stephanie became a, a more important part of of Tommy's life because yeah. of this so yeah so eventually um, Stephanie became pregnant with Tommy's brother Dax Daxton um, and I think that that piece was kind of like a catalyst um, for my healing I think I was trying you know like the declarations and the thought processes. And I think I was, I was trying, but I was like, it hurts. It still hurts. Yeah. And it still is really sucky. And I am angry that I have my son only 50% of the time and I have to share him. Mm-hmm. Like I'm angry. That's not what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I struggled. I would say, Dax is two and a half years younger. So I'm going to say that I struggled for three to four years. You know, when Dax Mm -hmm. got a little bit older, um, you know, was like a year or two to where he would like start to recognize me or start to actually started to kind of build a relationship with him. Yeah. Um, Like at that point, and I'll back up and say like it was – I, I can't say it was always my intention. Like, I had no idea what the future held as far as, like, Tommy having um, brothers in the future. But after Dax was born and after I got to know this tiny little human, like, I didn't ever want to 
not know that part of Tommy's life. I didn't want to be like, well, those are your half brothers um, and throw that towards. I wanted Tommy to always be like, mommy is totally cool with my brothers and my brothers are a huge part of me and mommy cares about them just like she cares about me. Like I just didn't want him to ever feel a disconnect, I guess. Between, yeah, your love for him and everything that was important to him. Yeah, and everything that made him up. I wanted to know all those pieces of Tommy. And I feel like to, um, you know, to be like, well, I don't care about your brothers or want anything to do with your brothers. Like, I don't know. That just wasn't ever... I couldn't, like, in good conscience do that. I couldn't... I wanted to know those pieces of Tommy. Yeah. I think, I mean... Wow. I just, I just admire that so much about you because in this entire thing, it's really just been about how you can create a better place for your son. And I think that is, speaks to your heart as a mother. And I think it's incredible. Um, Yeah. I mean, I will say, you know, as Dax got older and I think the biggest, it's amazing because I... (laughs) I never would have guessed that redemption would have come like it did, but Dax was, like, the biggest part of my redemption story that I can, like, actually put a finger on. Because, you know, with Tommy, I didn't want to share him with Stephanie, um, but I had to. I was court-ordered to share him with Ted and, by extension, then with Stephanie. Yeah. Um, But Stephanie didn't ever have to share Dax with me. She was not court-ordered to do anything, but she did it willingly, and somehow that healed me. It healed a piece of me. Yeah, which is so huge because she's willing to share, you know, part of part of her with you, and so I think... Do you think that that maybe had something to do with it, too, is, like, maybe forgiving, forgiving on your piece of forgiveness, so, like... I mean, as she's sharing this piece of her with you and you're accepting it, do you think that maybe you were able to accept more of, of who she was maybe, um, as, as a, as a piece of, yeah, I think it maybe saw, you know, or I think I always did take the stance of like, I took my cues from Tommy, like Tommy loved Stephanie. Mm -hmm. He loved her. And I knew she was good to him because he loved her. And I had gone to dinner actually with Ted's family, like (laughs) after the divorce, (laughs) a while later. But I remember being at dinner and one of his cousins was like, I mean, we kind of had like a playful banter relationship anyway, but Mm -hmm. one of his cousins was basically like, so how's life after the divorce? How, you know, (laughs) like, (laughs) let's just get to the nitty gritty. Right. And he said, just like super matter of factly in that conversation, he was like, but she's good to Tommy, right? And that's all that matters. And when he said it, it (sighs) was still kind of early on. And I was like, except that's not all that matters. Let's talk about my feelings and my needs and the things that hurt me. And, and like, the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? Like, Ted and I, our marriage is done. Like, he's right. That is what matters now. You know, like, she is good to Tommy. And that's, I have to, I have to. What matters. Yeah. Yeah. I have to let it go. Ugh. So, 
yeah, just, I mean, I had these people that came from the strangest places, you know, Ted's family. family. That is like, I mean, Ted's aunt who has spoken all of this and, and Ted's mother, my former mother-in-law who taught me so much, like her and I remained close. It was just completely unique situation, but her and I remained close even after Ted and I's divorce. And, um, she used to tell me like Beck. I'm just trying to live my life unoffended. Like, we can just be so offended all the time. I mean, you guys see the world today, like you know. Everybody's offended about everything. But Denise was, she just was like this inspiration of like, I just wanna live unoffended. That's how I wanna live my life. And I kinda, I don't know, I, I wanted that. I saw her peace mm-hmm. and I wanted that for myself and part of that I think is knowing that it's not about us yes knowing that it's not about us and own what you have to own and just sidestep the rest of it yeah which is really easier said than done but super wise it is but I think like once you get in this habit and again it's that thought process Mm -hmm. like once you get in this habit of like consistently thinking I don't need to be offended by that because really like that's probably more about them and what's going on in their life than it really even has anything to do with me. Right. Which is so huge. I mean, if we could get past that as people, as like a human race, if we could just get past what we think is our problem, which really has nothing to do (laughs) with us. Yeah. I think it would be, we, we would be able to heal a little bit easier. Um, but yikes. What, I mean, what incredible truth. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I can't say that she just, like, offered that concept, and I was like, oh, I'm on board. You oh, know? Right. right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, easier said than done, for Right, sure. it was repetitive conversations, but I did notice, like, a piece that she had in her life that I was just like, I don't, there's something with this concept that I think, I think I like it. Which is so, which is, I mean, which is kind of why this which is kind of why I wanted to do this in the first, like, this this podcast in the first place, is, like, conversations like you have had with your mother-in-law about these, like, critical moments in your life that are really defining. To have those moments, those are incredible moments that have helped you tremendously. So pushing that out to the rest of the world and to other people who are trying to heal and maybe don't know how to do that yet, I mean, that is what this is all about. And so, Becca, I'm so glad you're here sharing this because you have imparted so much wisdom already in this short amount of time. Um, So I guess talk about now. Talk about your your co-parenting experience now. Um, yeah, so Tommy now has two younger brothers. Mm-hmm. So there's, who are adorable. Yes, yeah, so there's Daxton, who's seven, and yes. then there's Teddy, who is two and a half. <laughs> and, um, you know, Ted and I, I, I mentioned that that we were friends, you know, before we dated and before we were mm-hmm. married. And we always had, like, a very deep friendship. But, you know, after the fact, of course, like, I mean, there's boundaries that have to be drawn with divorce and as far as just, like, even emotional, you know, boundaries, um, just to have like, yeah, healthy things in place. But, um, I mean, Ted and I still, we do communicate like about our intentions Mm -hmm. for co-parenting and trying to be on the same page. And I, and I feel like we do a pretty healthy job. 
um, of that, but I remember a conversation with Ted where I did share with him like how redemptive Dax was for um, for my process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told him like I mean it really I felt like I was healed like yeah. after after um, my relationship with Dax was kind of kind of taken off. Yeah, um, right, right. <laughs> uh, you and know, then, as a toddler, and when I would go to pick up Tommy, and Dax would run over to me with his arms up, so hi. I'd pick him up, and yeah. yeah, you know, like, it just was, it was balm, you yeah, know, balm for my... for your soul. It was. So, yeah, um, but I told Ted in this conversation, I was like, you know, Dax, he was, like, redemption and a tiny little human for me. Um, and Teddy, who is still just, like, a little <laughs> chunky toddler, like... He is just icing on the cake, like yeah. cream cheese, powdered sugar, butter, <laughs> icing. <laughs> yes. With a little bit of almond. He's just yeah. like, yeah. I don't know. He's just such a ball of fun. So, yeah, I mean, we have, you know, I, I invite Tommy's brothers over for sleepovers or for an afternoon, you know, to just play and be together with their brother. And they miss him so much when he's gone on his week with me and, and I understand that. So I just want to facilitate, like, healthy relationships because I think ultimately, like, Stephanie and I recently even had a conversation where we were like, the whole point is to minimize the traumas in our kids, right? Like, yeah. we have our own traumas from our childhoods, from our adult life, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Like, we have our own traumas, but, like, let's work together to minimize these kids' traumas. Yeah. And I'm grateful to have people who partner with me in that because not everybody gets that, you know? You might be out there, you might be thinking, I'd love to do this. I'd love to co-parent like this or I'd love to have this attitude and maybe the party that that you have to co-parent with is not on that page or not on that level yet or ever will be, you know? Like, I don't know how to handle it if it's not my setup. Yeah. Okay, so then what would you say for someone, let's say, someone who is experiencing this particular kind of issue, and what 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 would your advice be to a girl who is just trying to navigate this for the first time, or, you know, maybe what, I mean, maybe there hasn't been marriage involved, and there hasn't been, you know, all those lawyers involved, but what would your advice be to someone who is experiencing this for the first time and being on the other side where you can feel the process of healing and you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel? What would what would your advice be to her? Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing is is to guard your thoughts. Um you know, it's it's very easy to it's very easy to give into the negative. You know? For sure. It's um it's probably our human nature, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, but you're in control of your thoughts. So, guard those. I also think a big thing is um, grace. Like, there's just always opportunities for grace. That's another thing that Denise and I used to talk about. Like, look for the opportunities for grace. Thank yeah. people when they extend grace to you. Like Recognize it. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, growing up so conservatively and so sheltered, um, 
I don't know. It's kind of embarrassing to say, but I felt like, I mean, I under, I understood grace, but I also was like, I also have not been very bad. So, <laughs> I mean, we're going to call a spade a spade. So, I don't know. I mean, do I need your grace? I don't know. But, you know, like, once you have some life experience under your right. belt where you're like, I have fouled up. Mm-hmm. Like, I would really like for people to extend me grace. And yeah. once that is a part of, like, your story, I think it's much it's much easier to see the need in that for other people and be willing to extend that to other people too. Yeah. So, So, yeah. So guarding your thoughts and guarding your heart against those things that can ultimately lead to horrible. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, we, although we aren't necessarily in control of everything that happens around us, we are in control of who we are and the things that, or the, the, the thoughts that come out, the thoughts that become words and the words that come out of our mouth. So, yeah, I think too, like, you know, regardless, regardless of whether you were married and went through a divorce or, you know, if it's, if it's a situation where you're co-parenting period, um, you know, I think healthy boundaries, you know, your relationship was once something that it now is not right. So like to draw those boundaries. And I, I struggled with that for a really long time. And probably that was, partly because Ted and I were such good friends. I just remember always thinking like, I don't know. I just always wanted to like keep the peace, you know, but that wasn't healthy for me either. Like I had to find, I had to find my boundaries and define them and then like have that conversation (laughs) too. You know, when push came to shove, like I had to be willing to stand up for myself with those healthy boundaries. The best book I ever read on it, I saw a therapist actually for a while, and she gave me this book to read, and it's called, guess what, Boundaries. <laughs> I own that, yes. You do? I yes. can't remember the author. It's like two yeah. people, and one yeah. of them's a doctor. Yes. But, yeah, yes. it's probably the best book I've ever read on yeah. boundaries. Um, but, yeah, it just... I, and they're it, so necessary. They are. But I feel like I couldn't even define them at the time. I didn't even know what should what it should look like Mm -hmm. you know and I feel like that book did help me do that because once you do that then you can have your clarity of mind to be able to think oh co-parent said this and I'm totally and utterly offended but I'm gonna take a breath Mm -hmm. I'm gonna not respond I'm gonna not react like because I mean, it is, it is at that point when, I mean, parenting, the whole deal around that is that you have someone else who's dependent upon you. So at that point it does become, I mean, if, if you, if we are constantly worried about our own offense and like, was it Penny said that she just wanted to live unoffendedly? Denise, yeah, my mother-in-law. Is that a word? <laughs> unoffended. <laughs> live a life unoffended. <laughs> so if, I mean, if. I mean, if that is what our purpose, if that is what our goal is, then it's, it's, it's bigger than just us. And so to remember that putting yourself after you put your child, because you don't want to cause any more trauma for that child, cause any trauma for that child in general. So, I mean, I struggled, you know, with the whole, like, oh, Tommy's going to grow up with divorced parents now. Like, you know, is he ultimate, or, or is he automatically, like, doomed <laughs> because no. he has divorced parents? But, you know I what mean, I mean? Right. But that was almost, but no. 
Yeah. Those thoughts, I mean, and I'm certain that you have all sorts of thoughts flood your mind when you're going through, you know, when you're going through these things, but, um, gosh, to, to, to think about how your actions are affecting someone else, but not just someone else, your blood, your everything. I mean, honestly, potentially, like, truthfully, probably for generations to come, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. We talked before about my favorite song in the moment. Yes. You know, The Blessing. Mm Mm-hmm. Carrie Joe, who's a worship leader for Elevation Church, and she, she uh, sang this song or wrote this song, and it's I mean it's taken straight straight from scripture, but it's um it's just talking about like the favor that God wants to bless us with, and like some of the lyrics I'm just gonna read them off here, but it says like May His favor be upon you in a thousand generations, and your family, and your children, and their children, and their children, and just like. To let that blessing go on and on. And I think, you know, I keep referring back to my upbringing and being conservative. And no, this was not the life that I ever thought was going to be mine. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had a um, a very good childhood, you know. Mm-hmm. And like I said, my parents were together. Like I just never really experienced divorce in any kind of like firsthand capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't ever think that it would affect me. Right. I didn't think that that would be a piece of, of my story. Um, and so I think it's easy to, like, believe the lies that, like, because it's a part of your story that that you don't get the blessings. Or, or it's really a spin. Like, the blessings just come in a different way. Absolutely. You know, did I think that my blessings were ever going to be Dax and Teddy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, never in a million years at the beginning of this did I think that that was going to be how I found healing. Which is so incredible. It really is. Like, it's, for me, I'm like, only the Lord Jesus can do that. <laughs> Amen, sister. You know, but... For real. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it is so true. Those pieces that we don't, we can't imagine being a part of our healing process become part of our healing and are so redemptive and I mean Becca your story she has you guys Becca has so much more to offer and so much more wisdom to impart and I really hope that eventually we were we are able to uh, meet again for another podcast because she has shit guys I mean you gotta I'm gonna put her phone number in the comment oh boy I'm kidding but maybe um But, no, I mean, just, Becca is just an incredible human being, and I'm so glad that I get to have her as a close, dear, sweet friend. All of the things that she has taught me have been, have always drawn me closer to what my purpose is, and um, been encouraging. And not just encouraging in, like, you go, girl, but more encouraging in, like, here's, here's what here's what may hurt and here's what may be unpleasant to experience but here's what you need to know about those unpleasant experiences and how they can affect and how they can shape you so keep at it yeah I mean and on that same note of like just encouragement you know this this song the blessing I play I've had it on repeat for a couple of weeks but there's a part of it that says and again it's from scripture and so it's talking about the Lord and his blessing over you and future generations 
but there's a piece that like drops me to my knees every time I hear it. And, and the lyric says, in your weeping and rejoicing, he is for you. He is for you. So I think about like almost 10 years ago when there was a lot of weeping, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and fast forward nine, 10 years and, and there's rejoicing now. Mm-hmm. And the incredible thing to me is that like God didn't change in any of that. Like he was for me while I was weeping. I didn't feel it. I didn't see it. I probably didn't even care like at the time because yeah, right. I was really just trying to survive. survive. Yeah. But um, I don't know. The steadfastness sometimes I'm just like, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Becca. I am so glad that you are here and I'm so glad that you were able to share this piece of your life with us and I hope that you are able to come back and share other different parts of your lives that have incredible impact as well. So are there any final thoughts that you have for anyone who might be listening who is experiencing this at all? Do you have any final words or wisdom? I just, I feel like I've given so many words. There's so many words of wisdom. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. So, all right. Um. Becca, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we are going to sign off, guys. If I, I will, um, I will put Becca's contact information in the in the description here. So I'm certain that if you are experiencing any sort of um, just issue dealing with this particular subject, I'm sure Becca would be willing to have conversations with you. Yeah, absolutely. I have. That. I mean, I have probably not a ton of answers I have experienced and I mean I'm happy to share that with yeah for sure all right Becca thank you so much yes it was an honor yes we will talk to you soon I hope that you are willing to come back and share some <laughs> oh, different we'll pieces of wisdom <laughs> for us all right so as always guys thank you so much for joining in Um, I hope to see you again here next time for the V podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the V podcast. Please like, and subscribe to our podcast and make sure to screenshot this week's episode to share on your social media in order to bring awareness to this project. Join our community on Facebook at the V podcast. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time for more inspiring stories told by real women. Wishing you peace and love. I'm Cammie Milliken. And this has been The Bee Podcast.